Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hey, boils and ghouls. This is David Howard Thornton from Terrifier and the upcoming Terrifier 2. And you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. to another episode of Moose's Monster Mesh. I'm your host, Moose. And today, we're going to answer that age-old question, what's black and white and red all over? And if you said newspaper, well, you're probably older than I am. But that's not the case. Today, the answer is my guest. And my guest today is from Terrifier and the very much anticipated upcoming Terrifier 2, Art the Clown himself, Mr. David Howard Thornton. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and we're both uh, going off of just getting COVID shots, too, so we're like, hey! <laughs> He's like, yay, life! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody! <laughs> so, yeah... You know, yeah, you you got your shot. I got my shot yesterday. Aside from that, how's life going? Oh, good, good. Can't complain. Ready to start getting back to normal. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was interesting in preparation for this uh, interview. You know, I was, you know, uh, watched a bunch of interviews and everything, and I, I kept seeing. You know, you, you're always introduced as David Howard Thornton, full name every mm-hmm. time. Right. And I was like, well, why in the hell? And I figured, you know, it had to do something with like SAG, you know, SAG rules. You can't be, uh, you know, you can't have the same name as someone else. And so I look into it. And yeah, there is another David Thornton. Yep. Cindy Lauper's husband. Cindy Lauper's husband. Yes. (laughs) So I was (laughs) like, like, wow. You know, it's like, you know, girls just want to have fun. And so they marry guys named David Thornton. Because, yeah, it was just... Yeah. You know, he it, was it in just, Home Alone 3, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just... It, it seemed like... It's like, man, that's a really long... Like, hi, I'm David Howard Thornton. I'm David Howard Thornton. You know, yeah. it just seemed like it's, it, it'd be nice to shorten it up. It's like, nope, there's already nope. one out there kicking. Oh, I know. I know. It, it sounds it sounds so sophisticated. But for me, it makes me sound... Every time I hear it, I had to get used to hearing it because I would think I was in trouble. Because that's always what I heard when I was a kid, when I was in trouble. David Howard Thornton. I'm like, shit. Oh, yeah. As a kid, you if your middle name comes out, you're screwed. Oh, God. That was like death. I'm like, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, and, you know, at least, you know, like our generation, that's, if your friends knew your middle name, you got in trouble a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so. 
Oh, my, my best friend always made fun of my middle name. He was like, yeah, Howard the Duck, little Howie. <laughs> Baby Howie. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so it's, it's funny that I go by it professionally now. So it's like, well, you know, it's funny how that, you know, you, you, you kind of just own it after a while. Oh, yeah. So how does a kid from Alabama. Yeah, Huntsville, Alabama. End up doing musical theater in <laughs> New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not what you think of when you think of Alabama, you know. It's just like, especially where I was from, it's like it was all about football, football, football. You say, what, what's wrong with you, boy? You, you're scrawny and you don't do sports. What's wrong with you? You one of those? <laughs> I just want to dance. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to make people laugh. That was my thing. I, that's why. I, that's why I got into it. I discovered in middle school when I was getting bullied and everything. I did a um, choral production of Mickey's Christmas Carol, and I played Mickey Mouse in that. And everything started going wrong on the show, and I just started improvising on the spot and cracking jokes and characters, Mickey Mouse. And I had everybody just dying laughing, and I was like, God, I love this feeling. This is fantastic. I feel like a freaking rock star. And you know, for once, people are laughing with me instead of at me at this school, and I love this feeling. I I want to do more of this, and I, I think that's where it all kind of just clicked in my head. Like this is really something I, I enjoy doing, you know, because I, I I experimented a lot as a kid with you know sports and all that kind of stuff too. I did taekwondo, I did soccer, I did t-ball, all that kind of stuff, and none of that was really something that like really clicked with me like theater did. And I was like, ah, I, I like playing funny characters and stuff like that. So it's like, I think I want to do this more. <laughs> And so, I, oddly enough, I didn't get a degree in theater. I was trying to be uh, pragmatic with my life because I, I come from a family of engineers and teachers. So I was like, well, you know, why don't I become a teacher? And so I got my degree in elementary education. But it wasn't until my, my mom passed away from cancer while I was in college doing my internship. And I realized I, I, I think I get more enjoyment and fulfillment out of actually entertaining than uh, teaching. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to do this instead. And that's why I decided to just go ahead and pursue this. But I, I still got my degree in teaching after I graduated. I was like, okay, I'm going to move to New York and pursue this instead. But I have a degree to fall back on in case it doesn't work out. You know, and that, that could be very interesting is, you know, these movies take off and you become popular for Art the Clown. And then shift back into elementary school teacher. <laughs> no one ever give me any discipline problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the, the the kids won't be acting up in class. I mean. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, is he going to become hurt? <laughs> Mom, our teacher's nuts. <laughs> well, I, I don't even think that would allow me to teach in Alabama now. <laughs> They'll be like, nope. Nope, that, that's why you, you play one of those evil characters. We can't have that around children and stuff like that. Oh, we've seen what you can do, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Choral production of Mickey, and then you're in a touring company later doing of... Doing of. Yeah, I'm in the production <laughs> of of. English hard. <laughs> in a production of... How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes. And yeah, I did that for five years. Yeah, that's just... This all builds up to a very interesting <laughs> shift here. It just, oh, very much so. You know, it, it just... When I learned that, it just seemed very, like, out of character. Not... <laughs> 
your backstory is interesting. The you mm-hmm. know the musical theater, the comedy, the so what what was the touring like with uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Oh, it was fun because we were like one of those tours where you know there are a lot of tourists where they're just in a, a city for like a day or two and then they have to move on to the next city. We weren't like that. We got to have a at least a week long sit down in each city we went to. So it was great because like during the daytime we would be free to do whatever we wanted. So we'd do all the touristy stuff or, you know, just chill out. And then at night we'd go and do the show, except for the weekends we had to do like four shows a day. But I mean, it was great. Got to see a lot of awesome uh, cities and stuff like that and had fun. And our, our Grinch, who I understudied, uh, was Stefan Carl, who was uh, Robbie Rotten from the show Lazy Town. And he was like a master at physical comedy. And so he really helped me fine tune my skills. And so like a lot of what I've done with art, I learned from Stefan. So that it's, it's kind of weird how that those five years doing Grinch really helped cement Art the Clown in a lot of ways. Well, and then planets kind of had to align in a sense for you to get art. I mean, oh, yeah. you from your end, you had to be at like a break in your theater career. Yeah, uh, it was crazy. Damien had to be at a position where bringing that character to a full movie was viable. Mm-hmm. At this point, Mike had retired the yeah. you know, the original art. And so, I mean, all of these things had to just kind of line up. Yeah. And it's so strange. here you are now, this new age classic slasher (laughs) well things really did line up that's the weird thing about it because after my last tour at grinch i decided to take uh about four months off just to focus on auditioning instead of going back and waiting tables for a few months and I, i just lived off the unemployment i made from my tour and i just auditioned 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 and i was up for about four or five different broadway tours and every single one of them fell through at the last second. I was like in final callbacks. I'm like one of them, I literally lost to a coin flip. <laughs> and at, at the time, I was just, I was getting so pissed off. I was like, my God, I'm so freaking close to booking another tour. And I'm like, come on, will something happen here? And then, you know, the the audition for Terrify, I just randomly saw it online, and I'm like. This sounds perfect for me. I knew the character from All Hallows Eve, so I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is perfect for me." And I had never done film before, except for like extra work. And I was like, "You know, I had always been wanting to get into film or TV." And I'm like, "Well, this would be a great way to get my foot in the door." So I'm like, "This is perfect. I, I need to submit myself." I called up my agents, so like, "You have to submit me for this. I guarantee you that I am perfect for this role. Please, please, please." And it worked out and it's like the weird thing is like if i had gotten in any of those tours i would have not been able to audition or not been able to uh film so <laughs> it all worked out the right way it just it, that's something i have learned with um auditioning is like if you don't get something don't get too upset over it that you know it's like it there might be something else there that you're meant to do instead well yeah it, it tends to lead to that there's there's always a reason yeah you know, don't don't get don't always get discouraged. If you don't right. get the job you went after, keep trying for something else. There's a reason you didn't get that job. There's a reason you didn't get that part. It's not always you aren't good enough. Right. There's grand scheme. There's a reason what you wanted right now didn't happen. 
Yes. And nine times out of ten, it pans out better for you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you you could have went on another touring company. Yeah, and that would have been it. It would have just been another tour. This changed my life. Say, but now you're in the echelon of horror icons. I mean, you're right there with Robert England, Kane Hodder, uh, <laughs> Toby Hooper, all of them. I mean, you're just you're you're right there. And considering that, like you'd said, you'd never done film. This you, this was your foot in the door, mm-hmm. and now you're there. It's crazy. You know, it, it, yeah, it's <laughs> even as a fan, it's mind blowing. So I can't imagine, yeah. you know, what it would have been like living it. Oh, it was, it was absolutely insane. And I, I still remember just the day going in for the audition too. It's like, I, I was on my, I was walking down the streets in New York and I came across one of my old coworkers from back when I worked at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, um, Corey Blosey. He's a fantastic actor. And he was on his way to audition for the genie in the uh, tour of Aladdin. Nice. And hey, I'm like, hey, I, he's like, I'm going back for a final callback. So I'm like, hey, I'm going back for a callback for a, well, an audition for Terrifier. It's like, well, awesome. And it turned out both of us landed those jobs that day. It was just like one of those things where like, wow, we were kind of good luck for each other. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he, he um, was the understudy for a while for Genie, and then um, ended up taking over the role until the, the pandemic happened. So it was like it was a, a lifelong goal of his to play the Genie. So it was it was a, it was a wonderful thing. It helped so, both of us out. And it, was, it was a great day. So I'll, I'll never forget that day just running into Corey on the street. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always fun when you get to share your luck with friends who are having yeah. especially on similar you know career paths and yeah. uh trajectories no that's the thing is like I, I like to share that excitement when someone books a role or something like that i, I hate the competitive events that some people have with each other that shallow petty competitiveness because i would see that all the time especially with musical theater in the audition room where you just see so people trying to one-up each other all the time and just like, oh, I did this show and this show. Well, I did this. It's, it's, it's like, I was never that way. I was just like, okay, so what video games are you playing right now? Or what movies are we watching? And I was like, hey, okay, it's like, we're all doing this together. It's like, hey, if I don't get the role, but you get the role, that's great, you know? It's like, we should all be supporting each other because you never know, you know, when you might be working with that person again or um, or that person might be able to help you get a role in something or is just this, I, I, I don't understand that shallow pettiness where you're you're trying to sabotage each other because i've seen people do that where they just try to sabotage people i'm like this is so petty and it's like but those same people are never the ones that really make it well see and i've noticed that a lot in well in the boom of the podcast age especially Mm -hmm. over you know the pandemic and all the uh added podcasts where my mindset is you know we're all part of you know, essentially the podcast community. Yeah. If, you know, if I can help you connect with somebody, great. If you can help me, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, but th- there are others who, you know, get super braggadocious about having guests on or, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah, have that, like, it, it comes across as, you know, holier than thou. And it's yeah. just like, we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. Just, dial it back it's it's so i I i've just never understood that it's like i think it should especially in the arts we should all be supporting each other because this is it's a hard job we're doing anyway just doing auditions because it's it's it can be so soul draining so so many times because you face so much rejection yeah 
And so it's like you sh- we should all be cheering each other on, you know, because it's, it's a, quite an accomplishment when anybody gets cast for something like that. And it's just like that's great because you want those same people to be happy for you when you get cast as well. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and in the same vein, it's the same as like when you know we get guests. I mean, mm-hmm. you you get told no so many times by people yeah. that yeah, when you get a yes, it's it's really exciting. Whether it's stunt double Z or mm-hmm. the lead in like the best new cult horror films. <laughs> I mean, even if it's stunt double Z, you know that stunt double Z has probably got some cool you know stories to oh, tell yeah. as well. You know, so, stunt doubles. Oh my god! I'm, I have all this respect in the world for stunt doubles. I think stunt doubles should get so much more recognition than they get. They deserve their own category in the, the Academy Awards. You know, so if somebody's taking, you know, it, it's always been my opinion that if somebody's taking their time to come on, especially like my show or anybody else's show, they they get the respect that they get yeah. and deserve. And it, it, like you said, it doesn't matter, like, tier. It, it's, yeah. there's a reason you're the guest. It, it's not just because, oh, you're connected to something, or no, yeah. you're, there's interest there. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Let, let, one, one version of a guest isn't better than the other version of the guest. We're all in this together, and people are going to tune in, so... Because, yep. you know, it's, it, it's every single person that's involved in a movie has some impact on how it gets made. Mm-hmm. It's like every single person is important down to the you know, the PAs. Oh, yeah. It's just... And everyone has different stories from the set. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Which makes it even more interesting. And, you know, because your experience on the set would be different than, yeah, like you said, the PAs or, you know, the stunt guys or even just the lighting guys. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's always fun to get the different stories from around the set. I, I guarantee the crew people have so many stories on celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> they see everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Directors and producers are fun yeah. to interview. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you you can get all kinds of interesting stories that way. I can guarantee. I can guarantee because especially the the crew people, I'm like, they're the ones working their butts off for, you know, fifteen hours sometimes. So I, I I'm just sitting there getting makeup on and then just sitting there and waiting for stuff to go on. So I just do a lot of sitting and waiting. They're the ones busting their butts the whole entire time. Yeah. And they don't get the recognition for it. Not usually. So, at this point, you've auditioned for art, and it's my understanding, the way the audition went, you went in, you did the audition, Mm -hmm. and Damien and, God, I don't want to butcher his last name, is it Leone? Leone. Leone. Yes. Uh, And the crew were like, that's it, that's our art, was pretty much how it went. I, I guess so. I mean, that's that's more of a question for Damien because I have no idea who else auditioned and stuff like that. But they um, asked me there in the room if I could come in for a makeup test. So that was that's you know that hardly ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> On a first audition, so it's just like wow. <laughs> do you remember what you do for the audition? I improvised it. That's the thing. It's just like I. I, I freaked out when I first went in because I saw all these other people's scripts in their hands. And I'm like, I never got a script from my agent. And I'm like, oh, no. 
Because I was so confident. I was like, I'm ready to go kick butt at this audition. No, no. And yeah, I, they called me into the room and I, I was apologizing. Like, I am so sorry. I don't have a script. I'm not prepared. Uh, can I get one? And I can just look over for a few minutes and come back and give you something. And they're like, oh, you don't want need one. Art doesn't talk. So uh, we just want you to improvise a, a scene where you uh, kill a guy and decapitate him and you're happy about doing it. I'm like, oh, Okay, can I have a few seconds to think that over? Like, no, just go ahead and just do it on your feet. Just go. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I always say it's important for every actor to have some kind of uh, training in improvisation because you never know when you're going to get thrown into a, a situation like that. And I, it's just one of those things I just turned off the brain and let whatever happened happen. And I, I did this whole thing where I cartoonishly snuck up on my victim and knocked him out took out a hacksaw, sawed off his head, picked it up, tasted it, didn't like the taste of the blood, so I took out some salt and seasoned it, <laughs> and then tasted it, liked it, and kind of bathed in the blood a little bit, and then skipped out on my merry way. <laughs> I was like, that. I don't know where that came from. It was just there in the deep, dark recesses of my mind, I guess. I don't know, but I'm glad it was there. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward. With the character, once you got him, did you, like, talk with Mike at all about the character he laid out, or was it pretty much your character at this point? Well, I didn't talk to him um, at first, but I, I did go back and rewatch All Hallows' Eve just to get the basic, you know, mannerisms of the character down to get the basic gist of him, and then I'm like, okay, I got that. But I wanted to add more to it. I wanted to add my own spin to it. And that's where, you know, it's like, well, you know, he's a clown. And it's like, how can I differentiate him from other silent killers? It's like, well, you know, let's just make him more expressive. You know, because I don't have a mask covering my whole entire face. It's like the, I, I do wear a mask, but, you know, it's meant to look like my yeah. skin. And so it's like, well, that's, that's going to give me free range of movement. So, yeah, I can just be extremely expressive with my face. And, you know, since I'm a clown, that totally, you know allows for that because you know everything's supposed to be a little bit exaggerated with clowning and i'm like oh let's let's focus more on that so i went back and just watched a lot of um silent comedies you know with like marx brothers or like chaplin and buster keaton mr bean was a huge influence as well and just getting ideas of course you know my work with stefan on grinch really helped a lot too i, I had moments on set where i was like okay well, how would stefan approach this situation Okay, I know what to do here. And, and that's what I did. I just wanted to add more of the, the clowning aspect to the character. I was like, because Mike was really good at doing the scary. But I, I wanted to add also a humorous side to him as well. So yeah, you can definitely see the uh, Mr. Bean influences and Harpo specifically mm -hmm. in regards to the Marx Brothers. Yeah. You know, and just the way that that approach was laid out. And yeah, you're... the the, the the face really sells it and yeah. especially in the eyes like mm -hmm. your eye acting was on point in Thank this you. movie that's something i really focused on it was just like because the eyes are the windows to the soul and you, you can tell so much with just your eyes and I, I i thought of um alfred molina when he did doc ock in um Spider-Man 2, mm -hmm. he did so much acting with his eyes, which I, I was uh, I was so impressed with. You, you could tell when he was Octavius and you could tell when he was Doc Ock. 
just by his eyes. There was like a certain intensity in his eyes. And I'm like, I like that. I, I always thought that was so impressive. And, uh, and that's one thing I thought of with ours. Like, yeah, let's just do a lot of eye acting with him. Oh yeah. And say it's, it's probably one of the most obvious tool in an actor's toolbox, mm-hmm. but it's probably one of the most underrated and underused. Oh yeah. You know, and just as, you know, speaking purely as a fan, watching different movies and TV shows, the way an actor portrays a character in the eyes can make or mm-hmm. break the character. Oh, yeah. If you believe in your eyes that you are this character, then we believe that yeah. you are that character. And the... the one example I use the most is uh, David Desmulchin when mm-hmm. he plays uh, Murdoch on MacGyver. Oh yes, yeah, he's really good with uh, his eye acting, and like yeah. when he steps into like psychopath mode, you know he's in just pure psycho killer yeah. mode, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic, and you know it's in the course of a scene. He could maybe say two words, but there's so much he gets conveyed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with art. I mean, you spend a whole damn movie, you don't say a word, <laughs> but we know what you're feeling. Yeah. You know, we know the joy, the pain, the anger, the anguish all through the eyes. And yeah. artistically, it is stunning. Thank you. It's, you know, it's, it also made me think of. Um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, the the story arc, uh, the death of the family, in, yeah. um, in Batman. Yep. Because it, it gets really into like the relationship between Batman and Joker, and there's this one bit in there where uh, Batman's talking about the Joker with um, his eyes. He's like he he has this thing that happens with his eyes that I've only seen happen one time before. He, he, he looks at me differently than he looks at anybody else. And it's in his eyes. And it's, and the only time someone gets that look in their eyes is when they're in love with somebody. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I like, I love that idea. There's like he, that the Joker looks at Batman differently than he looks at anybody else. It's not like he's like romantically in love with him, but he's just so obsessed. He's in love with the idea of the Batman. And I was like, that's something I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, it's, just, it's like those little things that just happen with the eyes uh, that you, you really have no you know, control over. It's just, it's something that happens automatically. So but you like, get if you're that, like spark, and yeah. the eyes kind of widen, you're just like, come mm-hmm. here, you know, I. You, you almost get the golem eyes, you know, the, my precious. Yes. You know, yes. And yeah. It, and you can't fake it. No. You can't fake that. You have to make yourself believe it. And it's like, and that that's something I, I if, you know, Damien and I do focus on a lot on set. He, he knows what type of eyes he wants me to give sometimes. He's like, David, I want the angry eyes. I want dead eyes right now. I want happy eyes. I'm like, cool. We just we probably sound insane when we're talking to each other. I'm like, Damien, what type of eyes do you want me to have right now? <laughs> if you two talking to each other on set or anything like you two talking to each other on Facebook, I would kill to just sit there and watch. Because <laughs> I love the conversations on Facebook. Oh, back we and have forth. so oh much my fun. God. 
we're both huge geeks. And so we like, that's all we do in the makeup chair the whole entire time is talk about movies and stuff. You're probably talking about how we were going back and forth at each other over the Justice League League and and then uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's like two really good friends just back and forth. Well, oh, this yeah. movie is good. No, this movie, you know, I, I didn't like this part about it. No, well, you're wrong. Well, that, no, it's because of this. You know, it's just, it's just yeah. good, lighthearted fun. We both have fun. our convictions. And yeah. it's just like, and we back up our convictions with, you know, it is a, it's like, yeah, we have our reasons for the things we like and don't like. So, I, I, but that's what's so great about, you know, movies and all that. It's like, yeah, different things appeal to different people. Yeah. And especially in the times we live in now, it's really refreshing to see two people mm-hmm. able to have a difference of opinions and be able to laugh about it at the same yeah. time. You know, it's, it's not as serious as you didn't like the same movie I like. Yeah. So it's a nice, healthy friendship and oh, it yeah. shows Oh, it's so funny because we usually agree. That was the funny thing. We, we're usually in total agreement with each other on movies. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> we, it's like, it's, we do this all the time. And it's just like – and then other people get on the conversations too. I, I remember like on, on set for Stream recently, we, we just sat in the room one night just talking about RoboCop, how RoboCop is such a great movie. And there are some people that had never seen RoboCop were like, what? <laughs> have you never seen RoboCop? <laughs> oh, my God. You have got to see it. So we had a movie night there where everybody watched RoboCop. <laughs> it's like it used to be on TV literally yeah. every weekend. Yep. Yep. It's, it's one of those movies that still holds up. It's a good movie. Yeah. Aside it's from like, the fact it, he walks around naked. I mean oh, – <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you have to think. You know, like, and he was so good with his body movements in that. It's just like you could tell he was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's just like, but knowing that he had actually, when he went in there to film originally, he had actually worked with you know, a choreographer to choreograph all these movements. Then he got into costume and he couldn't do any of that, and so he had to adapt on the fly. I couldn't imagine just, working in just, that costume. Oh my God! It's, it just makes me respect him so much more as an actor. Well, see, and that's that, that's where you got pretty lucky. I mean, you, yeah. you had the clown costume with you know the the headpiece, but then you had the mask that was glued to move with your face, so you still had full facial expressions. And I mean, uh, again, first time out, you couldn't have had it any better. I mean, oh no. I am so lucky. I had best of both worlds there because it's like, because, it, you know, he's kind of like a blending of like Jason and Mike Myers and Freddie and Chucky in that regard, where it's like you, you had best of both worlds with those guys where you, you had that intimidating nature of just the silent killer, but he's also expressive and entertaining to watch in a, in like um, slightly comedic way as Freddie and Chucky are. So it's like, so he, you can get that those sarcastic moments out where he's just fucking with people, and I'm like, I love that. And you don't have to worry about you know cheesy one liners. You don't have to worry about anything uh, like that. It, don't have to memorize anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's purely the kill 
And yeah. when, like, when you go back and watch, like, the way you portray him, and the just the way the character's laid out, I, I, I don't know if his character code was designed before he was named mm-hmm. or afterwards, but it is kind of amusing that his name is Art. Yeah. That if you watch him go on his killing sprees and everything, it is an art form. It's not yeah. just a kill. I mean, to him, that is art. Yeah. You know, he he takes ver- uh, a huge amount of joy in this, and it's not just a simple, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's a great care in how he kills you, what he kills you with, you know, how gory it's going to be. Or, I mean, like, the you know, the infamous scene, the hacksaw scene. I mean, that, yeah. like, are you serious? That, that doesn't just happen. <laughs> that takes a demented mind. Oh, it really does. It's like, because it, he's not like Jason or Mike Myers, where it's like it, they're done with the kill as soon as they, like, the person's dead. They, they're just like one stab and they're like, okay, on to the next one. Art takes his time. I like to say he plays with his food. So yeah, he's, he's very much that killer type where he uh, will play with it a little bit before the, the kill's finalized. And yeah. he plays with his kills. Yeah. And, you know, he, it, he always like sets the scene. And you can tell he enjoys it. Or in the scene that really shocked everybody, you can tell when he's just kind of had enough. He pulls out mm-hmm. the gun and just, boom, <laughs> you're dead. Screw you, you're dead. Yeah. You know, and that, like, my first watch through, I, I think I was in that camp of fans where it's like, what the fuck are they doing? You know, this is a slasher. It's, you know, he's not supposed mm-hmm. to use a gun. You know, and then you watch it again, you're just like, oh, you know what? Who cares? Yeah. You know, it's, especially in the age we live in, mm-hmm. he also doesn't enjoy it. He's, no. like, it's so out of character for him at that point. You know, yeah, he has a gun on him. But you, you look at him, and you take this guy who's been so jovial about killing this entire movie, and just deadpan. Yeah. Boom. It's just like, huh. Huh. <laughs> Even the murderer uses it as a last resort. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I actually love that moment. I, I was like, I, I, that night we we're filming it, it's like, it, it felt so much fun to do. Just that, that quick, like, badass type of James Bond pull out the gun. Wah! I love doing that, but I was like, man, we're going to piss some people off. <laughs> oh, we're going to piss some people off. Because, like, no one's going to see this coming. No, no one. They were expecting it was maybe to toss out a knife or something, you know, or, you know, have a squirting flower, something like that. They didn't expect a gun to come out. No. So, yeah, it was definitely a shot out of left field. And literally. <laughs> yeah. That, that first watch through, it was like, come on. And then it's like, you know what? No, that Yeah. I I can appreciate it. It it makes a lot of sense cuz oh, it's it's great. You know, he just <laughs> you, you can see it. He's 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 on his last leg at that point. 
Yeah. And he's it's well, I can let her kill me mm-hmm. <laughs> or I can keep on going. I'm going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So oh, I loved it. it's that was probably one of my favorite moments seeing it with an audience too. That the first time was just like the different kind of reactions that all happened at the same time in that theater. It was just you had some people scream because they got scared. You had other people scream because they got mad and like bullshit. <laughs> other people just started laughing their heads off. It was just like such a mishmash of reactions that all happened at the same time. And I was like, that's awesome. You don't really get those kind of moments very often in a movie no where you get so many different types of reactions at the same time especially in a horror movie yeah i mean we've come to a point now in horror movies where there's a formula there's you know a pattern it's down to timing and you know we we can expect what's coming next which really it it limits the jump scares it limits everything else and then here's this damn clown <laughs> pulls out a gun and Bam. blows the lady away. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Yep. <laughs> Just turns it all on its ear. That's like one of the few actual jump scares we have in the movie, too, where it's just like, that's a different type of jump scare, too. Yeah. It's not a truck going by or someone running into their friend or something like that. It's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it it's one. It's a scene stealer. Two. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to talk about it after the first time they watch this movie. Yeah. And three. It. It, it shows art as human. Yeah. You know, because up until this point, I think that's part of why slashers haven't needed guns. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at. Michael Myers and Jason. Freddy's definitely supernatural. Um, oh, definitely. But the other two, there, there, there was always this uh, like supernatural aura about them. And later on, yeah, Jason was resurrected, so obviously supernatural. Definitely. But you know, none of them were like human killers, right? And then, yeah, you get. To movies like uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, they're humans. They're using guns, you know, mm-hmm. because well, they're human. They they don't have special resurrection powers. They don't have the ability to withstand getting a machete to the head. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's just it's very interesting to see this very human moment. Yeah, in the what has been otherwise a very sadistic, joyfully sadistic, rather, character. Well, see, that's that's something we're, we're trying to keep going in Terrifier 2 as well, because, you know, there definitely is a supernatural element, clearly by the end of the movie, when he's resurrected from the dead. But we don't want to go into that full-on supernatural you know oh well he's now just supernatural we want to keep that little bit of you know humanity still in him where it's just like he's perfectly capable of messing up yeah (laughs) you know he's not going to be this invincible powerhouse he can still be you know hurt 
in ways, I guess you could say. And so it's just like, oh, yeah, it's, it, he, he might mess up. You can trip him up and stuff like that. So he's not a perfect being. He, he, he'd just be, be brought back from the dead, basically. <laughs> Before we jump into a little bit of Terrifier 2, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about... Uh, Someone wants Terrifier 2. <laughs> uh, They're just having a conversation. They are. They're debating Justice League. Are we finished? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that little are you are we finished that little at the end that that killed me. That killed me. Yes, my dog's back talk. It's great. That's so funny. Mailman came by. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn you, mailman. So, before getting into Terrifier 2, let's talk the Joker influence that mm-hmm. has uh, made its way into this character. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I definitely put a lot of Joker into him. Because now, I believe you said... The Mark Hamill Joker is your favorite Joker. Yes. Now, is that the one that you tried to like imbibe into art, or is it more like an amalgamation of the Jokers, like all of the Jokers? Yeah, I would say it's more of an amalgamation, but definitely more influenced by Mark. Because I, I think Mark truly understands the character. He he understands that character 100%. He gets him. And he can do it just with his voice. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. And see, watching it, I, I first time I watched it, I got a lot of Mark's Brothers and mm-hmm. uh, like a Cesar Romero vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, just that over-the-top, flashy Joker style. Yeah. You know, so... And then to hear in the interviews that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Joker fan. I mean, hell, you've played Joker. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, okay. I wasn't wrong. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way he, you you play him, it's very much, it, it brings that full Cesar Romero to uh, Hamill. Mm-hmm. vibe together because it has that dark sinister appeal of like Heath Ledger's with the snarky style of Hamill but mm-hmm. that very over the top showmanship of the uh, Cesar Romero Joker yeah and it, it's just it's so fun to watch oh I even like you know when I do the little ta-da thing with them when I pull back the curtain and reveal uh, Dawn hanging upside down. That was in my head. I was doing the ta-da with the magic trick in Dark Knight with the, the pencil. <laughs> That's just kind of what I had in my head at that point. It's like, ta-da. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can imagine. I mean... Yeah, that's what I do in my head. I just... I, I'm always... Even though I don't speak any dialogue or anything like that, I always have dialogue in my head. So it's it's... That's... It, I, I think that just helps me stay in character. Well, and get you have my to. I intention mean, out. Yeah, you know, it, it helps drive you through, you know, where you're going. A lot of times, the internal dialogue is as important, if not more important, than what's on definitely the paper. 
Oh, most definitely. It it, it just gives me it's, it's I I just narrate it myself in my head. I'm, I'm like every little action I do, I'm I'm doing something in my head where I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, this is nice. Oh, and there's this little funny little things like that. It's like no one knows what I'm thinking, you know, but they know what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? So are, are we expecting more along the lines of the practical effects again in Terrifier 2? Oh, God, yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Uh, more so. I think Damien just outdid himself on the practical effects for Terrifier 2. And uh, in a weird way, the pandemic actually helped it because we still had two of our bigger kill scenes to do right when we went to lockdown. And we had already started filming the very first parts of one of them. And what we even already started filming was good. It was very good. It made one of our crew members have to leave set because he was getting nauseous. And he was a horror fan. So he was just like, ah, God, I'm getting woozy, guys. But we had all that time to kill. And Damien's like, instead of just moping about, oh, we're so close to being finished, he's like, well, then now I have time to really focus on what I want to do with this kill. So why don't I, you know stretch it out even more and do more with it and so he went back to the drawing board looked at the scene i was like okay let's just go bigger with it i got the time i got the time to build everything for it so that's what he did and like these two kill scenes are just oh the what the the one of them is the, the the kill that starts off the movie and it's I, I i got to see uh the rough cut of it recently it's just oh my god <laughs> It's great. It's great. And like the prosthetic he made of this one character is photorealistic. He even made apparatuses inside it so it looks like it's breathing. Oh. And it's like it's it's very disconcerting when you're on set. Like I'm like, I think that's the actor. I'm like, that's that's not the actor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it looks like the actor. I'm like, geez, it's just and I would say both of these kill scenes took a few days for like the, especially the big kill scene um, that happens in the movie later on. It took us a week to film this because there are so many elements to it. He, he just added so much to the scene, all these things. I just, it keeps going and going and going. It's just like, you think he's done, like, no, he's not done. He's not done. <laughs> and it's all practical. He might have to do a little bit of CG at one part, just because you know, you just couldn't do this, <laughs> but it's not to like, like, you know, wuss out on it. He's just like, well, this is just to, you know, add a little extra where you need it. Oh, you know, yeah. that's how CG should be used. It's not used to just make up for everything. So, but I don't even know if he's going to do that. He might be able to just do it the, with the camera angles we use. That's what I was so amazed with. Like just the camera angles that we, if you can just move your body a certain way, you can hide things and you would have no idea. You people think that we CG'd that out. I'm like, no, that's just the actress hiding a body part very well. And the <laughs> just the angle or is it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's like the industry's gotten so far away from practical effects that people forget how much can and has been done with it's practical. a real art it, no pun intended but it's just like it's it's the things that he's created i'm just floored by there, there's one thing i don't of course don't want to spoil it but oh my god when i saw this thing he built i was it, it's one thing to see it without all the makeup and everything on it but like when he added all the, the gore to it i was like oh my god 
<laughs> I was I was so impressed. I was like, it, 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 and if you did that with CG, it would look not nearly as good. Not nearly as good. You just couldn't do that as well with CG. So, are there any like behind the scenes stories you can talk about? Like, I know you had mentioned from filming in the first one the. I believe it was the bathroom scene. The bathroom was like super grimy and just, it, it actually was that yeah. just cringy, dirty. That wasn't set dressing. That was oh, just. Oh, no, that was, that's real. That was all there. Just actual cringe. Yeah, there was no set dressing. <laughs> so, like, is there anything like that that you could talk about so that, like, listeners, when they go to watch the movie, like, oh, I heard about that. That's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like uh, the, 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 the place where the big climax of the movie takes place is a real location. So I, I imagine they're going to get a lot of business after this movie comes out because people are going to like, oh, this is this room and this is this room and this is this room. And <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. It was it was kind of miserable filming in there, though, because it was in the middle of January and February and it was just freaking cold and damp and wet and everything like that. And then like um, the floor uh, in the building – Two floors up, they had just done renovations in a bathroom, but they didn't put the pipe in the right way to go into the next floor. So instead of going into the, the pipe in the next floor, the pipe just drained into the second floor. And then all that starts seeping in and broke through into our floor. And so there's like this leak in the ceiling of just sewage coming in. And it was just like, oh, God. So they, I mean, thankfully they got it fixed, but for like a night or two, it was just like, oh, <laughs> How is it both films you guys managed to film in the cold? It's New York. <laughs> I mean, like, the hacksaw scene, it was what, 20 degrees? Yeah, it's like, well, we can't really film it in the summer because of the makeup, because I just start sweating. And you know, like, we did some filming this past summer during the pandemic, and Damon had to keep on reattaching my prosthetic because I was just sweating. It was like, it's literally sweating my face off. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it's a whole different movie. Oh, yeah, totally different movie. I looked like a stroke victim at one point. I was just like, oh, no, my face is going to... <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, we got this... It was it was a pain. So that's usually why we film in the colder weather. But it, that's that's how it goes. But it's also like another back uh, behind the scenes story. I think it's really cool. It just shows the ingenuity of um, how things go on these sets. Like when things happen, you sometimes you just got to go with it and improvise on the spot. And we have so many of those type of moments in both Terrifier movies, especially Terrifier Two, or we had intentions on doing something and then we had a setback. Like. Um, we were kind of originally going to go for the whole cliche of, you know, the, the killer busting through a glass window and stuff like that. You know, we had the glass ready to go and they're putting it into place and then it just breaks. Oh. And we didn't have a backup for it. We're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God. Oh, God, the whole day's shot now. But then, like, Damien and I basically put our test together. It's like, okay, well, we have this broken glass. What can we do instead? And we came up with this whole entire new scene that I've never seen done in a horror film before. And I think it's hysterical, but scary as, as anything at the same time. And I, I think what this, this whole thing led to a very happy moment for us it's like man we wouldn't have thought of this at all and what we would have done would have been very cliche 
now it's something totally different, and I am like, I, I, I like this better now. Nice. Yeah, it's like we had we had those kind of moments. We had some scenes that we wanted, to, uh, like a little bit of shtick here or there that we wanted to film, but we just ran out of time, or like a, a prop broke, and we're like, well, that was the only prop we had, so how are we going to get around it? And those are the things where it's like you have to just get creative on set, and like, okay, well, okay, this is the problem, how we solve it, and we look at what we have around us, and like, okay, we're going to do this instead, let's go. And it sometimes leads to some great moments where it's like, yeah, we didn't even anticipate this, but now I think this works better than what we had originally planned. So improv usually leads to some of the best byproducts of film. So Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I can't wait for the movie to come out so I could like, this is the moment I was talking about. <laughs> it's like, I was so happy with what we did here. I was like, yes, this is oh, good. Does it still have that... Uh cult vibe to it because that, that, oh, that was yeah. one of the things i really liked about terrifier was when it came out it was written like a classic cult movie mm-hmm. you know not something that becomes a cult classic no this was written like a classic cult movie yeah. where it just had that very old school vibe to it mm-hmm. and you know old school in a new era and it almost seemed like you could have just plucked art from a different uh, decade, plopped him into now, and he's just like, well, well I get him here. You know, I'll just yeah. keep doing what I'm doing. You know, and yeah, it had that very, you know, just classic feel to it. I, I think we do a little bit of both with this. It's like we have some that, that we still retain a lot of that classic cult feel. But we also have added some new elements, like more modern day stuff as well, I guess you could say. like, I, I, But not really modern day, modern day. It's like more harking to like 90s kind of slashers in some ways too, I guess you could say. You, you also added a couple uh, Scream Queens to this movie. I mean, you mm-hmm. got Felisa Rose and Tamara Glynn. Yeah. Two uh, very well-known Scream Queens from the horror community. Yeah. So, I mean... This movie that years ago, years ago, started as a short that Damien put together has really taken off onto mm-hmm. its own thing. And this, as we established earlier, this character is you now. I mean, you are art, art is you. <laughs> and I can't begin to imagine what that must feel like when. You know, you see the fans of the character and the fans of the movie, fans of the character. And, you know, knowing that this was your first trip out, it's got to be like mind blowing that this was taken so well. Oh, very much so. Terrifier 2 set to come out later this year, finally. Yes. Do you have anything else set in the works or... Mm-hmm. that you could talk about yes i do um the first of them is it's called the dark offerings and it was filmed exclusively over zoom during the pandemic which was kind of cool i they wrote a small little part in there for me after they had filmed most of it but um i was happy to join the cast it's a lot of people from terrifier involved in some other horror people as well i think Felissa's in it and uh, i mean deets you know from uh, exorcist is in it and uh, so it's 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 a fun, cool idea for a film. 
So I think that's coming out later on this year, stuff like that. It depends how quickly they can get distribution and stuff like that. But um, also, I'm in the middle of filming another horror film with a lot of the Terrifier team. It's with uh, Fuss and the Lens guys that also did Abnormal Attraction. But, you know, Mike, the director, was the exterminator that I decapitate in Terrifier. And his brother and their other partner, Steve, were the two cops that come in and try to get me at the end but it's a film called stream uh, i can't really tell you much more about the plot yet but um it is i get to play one of the killers in it so that's really cool and they're hoping it's going to become a franchise which is really exciting as well and they have a lot of big hard names involved in that one as well so it's been awesome being on set with people i grew up watching in films and now i get to see them work and get to know them as people too in real life and i'm like this is amazing it's like since it's on imdb i can reveal jeffrey combs is in it so being able to watch him work on set was just amazing because <laughs> he's such a great character actor i was just like it was like a master's class for me well and this this is really interesting considering that you know how anti-horror your mom was and yeah. now you're you're kind of shifting into this you've carved this horror niche out for yourself yeah it's such a hard curve in life, but that that's how life goes. I mean, it's so funny because I'm also doing voiceover work for children's shows. <laughs> so I'm like both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I, I I literally just got cast in a, um, a, a new animated series for the Sesame workshop. So I'm just like, Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> wrong clown so like, wrong clown oh, yeah yeah don't don't have me as a clown on here that might be a bad idea <laughs> but that's what i was doing before i did terrifier too i was doing a lot of uh, animation so it's just it for children's shows so it's, it's just kind of funny that i've done both stuff for little kids and then i've done this really crazy over-the-top gory stuff for adults too so it's like yeah you know i i cater to everybody i guess you could say definitely a way to keep uh, the career longevity yeah, I don't complain. You know, it's it's fun. Both both types of work are so much fun for me. I love the voiceover work, and I love doing uh, the, the horror work. I'm like, <laughs> so before we wrap this up, I have two more questions. One, okay. if you could pick a dream role before you die or retire, what would it be? Oh, Joker, easily. Easily, bar none. It's like I want to bring him to life. I want to bring the comic book version of that character to life. Because yeah, that's the thing that's driven me crazy about Hollywood. It's like they keep on trying to do something different with him that's not actually in line with his character. And I'm like, no, no, just stick to the comics. Stick to what – that's why he's sustained himself as a character for like 80 years. And that's why he's popular. Yes. It's like people want that bring that and get get some of this really good at writing joker dialogue oh yeah Please. because like that's the thing it's like it's the monologuing he does it's just like if you can get the right person there to write the dialogue for the character that's all you really need and it just kind of falls in place after that i think oh most definitely it's like paul dini my god he did a great job with the animated series it's yes. like Get people like that. It's like, well, I, I look at like what they do with the animated DC films. They're so much better than the live action ones. It's like, why don't you have those guys writing the live action films? My God. So yeah, the, the DC animated movies have 
killed it over the years. Oh my god, they're so I can't wait to see the long Halloween. I am so stoked for that. So yeah, just saw that trailer. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I love that Troy Baker's doing the Joker in it too. He does a really good Joker. Yeah. So it's like if you can't get Mark, get Troy. Right. <laughs> if you could pick a franchise crossover for like art to go up against, mm-hmm. who would it be? Ah, oh, boy. It, it's it's gonna be weird. Um, because I just I, I thought of this actually last night because I was watching it. I, I thought the little girl in Psycho Goreman, Mimi, oh my god, I would love to see her go up against Art. I was like, holy shit. She would be like the character that Art would come across. He's like, what the hell is wrong with you, kid? <laughs> it's like, you are crazy and I like you. When you out crazy, the crazy. Yeah, and that I would love to see something like that happen. I was like, oh my god, that would be fun. Before that, I was thinking like Nicolas Cage's character in Willy's Wonderland would be a fun one too, since they're both silent characters. So that <laughs> he plays crazy show. so well. <laughs> oh, he does. Plus, it'll be so much fun working with Nick Cage. I think that would be just amazing. But it's like you know, because I, I don't want to be cliche like everybody's expecting Pennywise or Freddy Krueger or something like that. But it's like, man, I I like let's bring you know, it's like. People always talk about, you know, Freddy versus Jason. It's like, we need new horror characters. Why not, you know, if we're going to have crossovers, why don't you have the newer horror characters crossing over with each other? I'm like, because I, I thought, I, I watched like a gore man last night. And I thought that was so funny. I was just like, this is great. This is just so crazy, batshit crazy movie. And I loved it. See, I'd like to see him go up against and or team up with uh, Pinhead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one. Oh my God, he would he he, he would work so well as a Cenobite. You because know, I mean, again, it's another one of those characters that just lavishes in that mm-hmm. death and just pain and destruction before. Just, I mean, it's not just that simple. Just you're dead. It's yeah. very much, you know, torture, death, God, kill, very messed up kills too. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, so seeing those two team up. Oh, yeah. And I know both of the main pinheads. <laughs> so it's just like. Even if it's like just in like comic form. Yeah. You know, that would be an amazing story to see laid out would mm-hmm. be art and pinhead. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just be fun. You got to have fun with it. Oh, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I, I love seeing like the, the artwork people come up with where they have the crossovers. It's, I, I just, it's so much fun. I love seeing people having fun with the genre. And that's what we're trying to do. We're just having fun with it. It's like I look at the Terrifier films as love letters to the genre. Most definitely. We're all fans. We're all fans of this slasher genre. And so we're making the type of movies that we want to see. It's a formula that works. I mean mm-hmm. – it steps away from the, the aforementioned like horror formula of jump scare kill, jump scare kill, jump scare kill. It, it carves its own path, but at the same time, like you said, it pays homage to everything that came before it. Yeah, and it it really does. It lays out masterfully in the grand scheme and. Well, yeah, it's it's it is definitely a standalone film, standalone mm-hmm. franchise, and it's not for the faint of heart. Oh God, no! Um, 
it, it definitely falls in with every horror movie. It's like graduate level horror is what it is. Yeah. You have the entry level horror of like the universal monsters and like, are you afraid of the dark and mm-hmm. even scream? Yeah. And then, you know, you get a little bit more with like hatchet and some of the later slasher films and pinhead. And then for graduator course, you get terrifier. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it definitely has its place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm just happy to be there. It's just, it's a fun ride to be on. I can't, I, I, I can't say it any other way. It's just, I, I just, I'm very grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Never imagined any of this would ever happen in my life. I'm glad it has. And there's countless of other fans that are glad it has too. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember when Terrifier 2 was announced, mm-hmm. like the internet exploded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it was so weird because Terrifier kind of crawled out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. So for the news of Terrifier 2 to just blow up like that was just mind-blowing. It's fascinating, too, because it's we still don't get recognition from, like, mainstream sites like, you know, IGN or, like, Vanity Fair or uh, Hollywood Report, no, that kind of stuff. Screw it. it. It's funny. It's just like, yeah, screw it. It's like, well, it's because we don't have that big, huge Hollywood engine behind us paying for publicity. And that's what those people do. It's like, that's how they get on all that stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. It's, but it, it's the true horror sites, the true fan sites that are out there getting the, 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 the word out. It's just been amazing. Stick with the underground horror. I mean, yeah. you get to put out what you want to put out. You don't have to yeah. worry about, yeah, okay, you still have some standards of practices, but it's not, mm-hmm. you, you don't have a big studio coming in saying, no, you can't do this. No, you right. can't do that. The team that you guys have Get to put out the movie and the vision that you want to put out. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, makes it a better product for us, the fans. So, if you don't end up mainstream, who the fuck cares? Yeah. You know? Exactly. I mean, you have a fan base. We know who you are. A loyal fan base. A very loyal fan base. Very loyal fan base. You know? So, fuck them. Thank you. I'm, I'm I'm happy. I'm just like yeah. It's like I I kind of look at us as like we're we're the uh, the punk or the rock and roll of horror films right now. Yeah. It's like we're we're like you have all the bubblegum pop that's out there, and then we're like the rock and roll. The people are like, oh yeah, so you like this? Well, you have to see this. Oh yeah. This is this secret movie you didn't know about, that kind of thing. And I think that's kind of cool. Well, see, that's kind of how I was introduced to uh, All Hallows Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, you like horror? Yeah, well, you need to watch this. Well, what's this? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, you just kind of get hooked on that train and you, you want more. You want more of that style because yeah. you get so used to what's already there that, mm-hmm. you know, like I said earlier with the horror formula, you know what to expect. Yeah. And with Terrifier, you don't know what's 
what's going to happen in the next scene? You don't know what's going to happen in the scene you're watching, let no. alone two seconds later. So the whole thing keeps you on your toes. Yeah. It's nice to finally have something refreshing in the horror genre that you can still get that same feeling you got the very first time you watched a horror movie, you know, mm-hmm. and with that, just like awe inspiring, this is what I like that, yeah. that surge of adrenaline that, Oh my God, what's going to happen. Yeah. And just the fun, yeah. just having fun. And that's, that's, that's the one thing It's like, these movies are fun. It's despite all the crazy, gory stuff that's happening, all the horrible stuff, they're still fun. <laughs> they're entertaining. Exactly. It's not just gore for gore's sake. There's, you know, we have the gore, but we're trying to entertain people too. That's the difference. It's not gore porn. It's the gore's there, but the gore's still there to tell a story. Yeah. Harking back to the hacksaw scene, even that was still tastefully done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been a lot gorier. Oh, yeah. It could have been really sexualized, too. Yeah. And it it wasn't. It was just, no. I'm going to split her in half. Yeah. With a hacksaw. Yeah. The clothes get in the way. That's why the clothes are off. Yeah. It's going to bind up the blade. <laughs> yep. It, it, it was definitely a shocker. But yeah. it, it fit yeah. with, <laughs> it's weird to say. But it, it, it fit. It fits with the character. And mm-hmm. I don't want to talk too much about it because I know you've talked about the scene like a thousand times. <laughs> Close, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that that set this movie apart because it, it's the small decisions that you don't think about when you're watching it that get taken for granted because like you said it could have been super sexualized it could have been a lot gorier and it it was just a naked girl got cut in half yep that was it and it did exactly what it needed to do yeah i mean okay. <laughs> I, I honestly me and countless others can't wait for this next one to drop I'm one of those ones too, <laughs> because there's so much I haven't even seen yet, and I, I can't seen, wait to see. You're ready to talk yeah, about? I'm like, oh my god! I have to have you back on after it drops, because otherwise we're going to be here all day just bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, mm-hmm. where can listeners keep up to date with you on like social medias and such? Oh, yeah. You can uh, find me on Facebook or Instagram under David Howard Thornton. And also, I have a cameo page as well if you want me to do a shout out for a birthday. I I try to keep it pretty low with the pricing compared to most people on there. I I, I charge the same as I do for an autograph and a photo op at a table at the conventions for that. So, So you can find me on cameo as well if you want to under my name. I think it's David H. Thornton on there, but you know character limit (laughs) and listeners like always i'll make it easy and i have those links in the episode description and you guys can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on twitter at moose media inc david it was fun sitting and bullshitting for this last uh (laughs) while and just breaking down the movie and getting into the road that led you to where you are now thanks i had fun chat with you too man and you know like i said after 
Terrifier 2 drops, we'll get you back on. We can actually talk about some of the things that oh, yeah. happened in the movie. Oh, there's going to be so much to talk about. <laughs> there are going to be some characters you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. Until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Bash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>are going to become your best friend for the next 24 hours oh those those have been my best friend for the past year (laughs) (laughs) i was like i don't know how many naps i have taken this past year i'm just like it's like three o'clock in the afternoon i'm like i feel like a nap (laughs) like it's funny because as kids we're like i don't want to take a nap oh i know now i'm like i want a nap as adults we're like is it nap time shit yes nap time (laughs) Where's my recess? Yeah. And my fruit snacks. <laughs> God, fruit snacks, those are the best. <laughs>